Career development is not promotions. Promotions come with your career development, right? Experiences, ways of doing things, learning something new. And if you do them and excel and become more valuable to the company, you will be promoted. Uh, But most people, again, this is another one. I want to talk about career development. Okay, when am I going to be promoted next? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, uh, that's a different conversation. Career development and promotion are completely different conversations, uh, at least the way that, that I handle it with yeah. my staff. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the BioTalk Unzipped podcast, where we unzip the stories behind medical progress by sharing the latest and greatest advances in biopharmaceuticals and medical technologies in a fun, entertaining, and enlightening format. And now your co-hosts, Gregory Austin and Dr. Chad Briscoe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to BioTalk Unzipped, where we unzip the stories behind medical progress in a fun and intriguing manner. I'm your host, Gregory Austin, and here with me, my illustrious co-host, Dr. Chad Briscoe. And in this episode, episode four, this will be the continuation of our great conversation with our good friend, Dr. Russ Wiener. I want you to be brutal to the gene and cell therapy industry right now. Okay, so this, 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 we're, we're supposed to be uh, unzipping uh, the biotech industry. Where is where is gene and cell therapy really going? Is it going to bankrupt the insurance industry? Is it a miracle cure? Those are the headlines, right? Depending on depending on the agenda, mm-hmm. bankrupt yeah. insurance because the cost of drugs, you know, mm-hmm. miracle cure. Which there there's some truth in both, maybe. But but right. I, I want to hear it from an industry insider, somebody who's really thinking about putting drugs forward uh, in this space. So in all fairness, I'll say that I was a huge skeptic. The fact that I'm supporting cell therapy, if you asked me five years ago, would have never happened. I'm not going anywhere near that. And my, the rationale there wasn't the biology. I think the biology uh, can be figured out and has been figured out. It was, it was as you said, the costs. I was, I was looking at that and, and, and seeing the cost of biologics and, and how they struggled in the early days of, of getting a $25,000 therapy several times a year. Uh, and I was doubtful uh, that they could do that, but I knew those drugs really, really worked. The jury's out, even though there's a couple really yeah. you know, great items, great uh, therapeutics that are out there, the mm-hmm. jury's out because we, we still don't understand much of the, the immunology, getting back to why we do so much flow cytometry. But, but moving from uh, an autogolous, where an individual is his own manufacturing site, Right. You know, you take mm-hmm. that individual's uh, uh, cells, bring them to, to, to the lab, modify them, put them back in. Th- those are tough. I, I don't I can't see the industry really sustaining that. And now go over to the aloe side where we develop those cells and we, we aliquot them out after they've been modified. Now they're on the shelf, you know, in the hospitals, you know, and, and, and whether it's 10 vials or you know, 100 miles, the idea that we can get a cell to work in everybody with limitations, of course, is where I, I think it's going to go. And on the gene side, it's, it's a tough one. If, if you look at all the companies that focus on the, these rare diseases, you understand that you know, they're going to sell. There's, there's 100 people in the world that have this. You know, how do you do that study? Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit more challenging to me, but when I see cell and gene therapy or gene therapy on, on dealing with something like sickle cell, yeah. you know, I was gonna mention that. that is a big market, right? That, yeah. th- this is something that we've, we've been challenging. So I think the ability to get some 
that are a little bit more widespread illnesses to support those that are more rare and you know you know philanthropic you know organizations have to help here you know as as well uh, you know until we get to a point where it is just rote and we can do this it's always going to come up and you know i don't know what what insurance company is going to do today yeah. we see mm-hmm. some covered but xus i i really don't know uh, but i would expect you know other areas around the world this is just not going to be uh, applicable you're not going to be able to do it. But what I've seen in the short time I've been uh, at Takeda in, in cell therapy, it is amazing what they can make these cells do. You know, take, you know, and, and, and if you look at, you know, as I'm going through Instagram and you, and you this is this is not cell or gene therapy, but the idea that you can see cardiac cells begin to coalesce and beat in a Petri dish, that's the level of the stuff that they're doing. And it's not just put a put a you know a CAR T in. It's a CAR T with a bunch of other um, uh, armoring type uh, strategies where you have other molecules on the surface to either protect, augment, or help them survive. It's nothing that I expected, um, but that cost is going to have to be figured out by someone. Right. It's, right. It's, it's only such a beginning. huge win. It yeah, is only it is. the beginning. It is, and and I'm I'm excited for the new you know sickle cell th- therapy that has come out, right? That's a that's yep. a big win, and uh, it can has the potential to help a lot of people. I, I did see that there was a chance, right, that it could cause some fertility issue in in women, um, but the big thing to me is okay. Well, this is great, but what percentage of that population, even in the U.S., is going to feel like they can afford this? And, and how are insurance companies, we don't even know yet how they're going to deal with this. They're, they're probably at the drawing board right now trying to figure that out. And, and if you go over to biologics, you know, you know, you can't, if you watch the TVs and you get past all the, 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 the music and the dancing and the pump and circumstance that you see on commercials and actually listen to the, to the side effects, you know, cancer is, you know, one of the side effects. What is the, the, the benefit risk? You know, mm. for individuals with debilitating RA or debilitating sickle cell that is going to shorten their life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it, it's you know people who have RA already have a higher incidence of uh, you know cardiac issues. Okay, we're going to get rid of the cardiac issues. Now we introduce something else, but if it, how rare is it relative to the cardiac issues? Same thing with with the the, the gene therapies uh, as well. It has to beat out that that risks benefit just has to prove it to the to the uh, the advisory boards very good wow we'll see what happens time will tell right yeah i'm I'm glad i'm on the science side and not the payer side not the insurance (laughs) side that's that's for sure man that that doesn't seem like a fun 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 piece to solve. But I guess if that's the industry you go into and that's where you, you know, that's where you come up through it, you, you probably love figuring out those challenges because they're big ones and, the, and they're, and they're tough problems to solve. And, and so they're probably are pretty, people love to dive into those and are every bit as, as smart as all of us scientists out here. So yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they solve that set so that one. And the thing is we yeah. all have someone, whether it's a friend or family that has one of these rare diseases mm-hmm. and you would do anything, you would pay anything Yes, to, to do it. Unfortunately, some, you know, most people can't, you know, e- even the rich, you know, would struggle with, with, with some of these therapies. But the, the, the look on a parent's face when their child, 
can walk again, or you know, if you if you know people with with uh, uh, cystic fibrosis, or or some of these other awful diseases, we don't th- you know we don't think about the money. The scientists don't think about the money. We just want it to work, and hopefully, uh, it'll work itself out on how to get those therapies to those individuals. So, changing gears a little bit, we want to talk a little bit about your role in AAPS. So, uh, so you were recently president-elect of AAPS. Would love to understand what drove you to that. <laughs> you know, reading again, reading your your biography, it's like, man, this guy is busy, and he says, "Hey, I'll I'll take on leadership for this uh, massive." diverse uh, organization. What's your motivation? Where do you see the organization going? What are some of your goals uh, going going forward with it? So one would say I'm crazy, right? But I said earlier, oh, I, I said that before. No, it's a known fact. <laughs> before Those the AAPS. I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, but, you know, you know, as we said before, n- don't pass up opportunities. Hmm. So I, I, I've run for AAPS uh, probably for the last president, APS president, probably for the, I'm going to say 10 years. So, you know, ish. Uh, and I lost twice, lost to some amazing world-class, you know, individuals. So, um, you know, they called me again. They said, you know, do you want to do, I was like, do I want to do this again? And, and, and I did. And I tell you, you know, APS made me who I am today. I would be a fraction uh, of what I am today, if it wasn't for AAPS mm-hmm. and and meeting, you know, you two, you know, yeah. through through you know, an AAPS or, or other scientific societies. Um, but my passion with AAPS are the students, right? I was one of the first people to introduce student representation to the to the different committees, and now these individuals, you know, fast forward twenty years, are in leadership positions. They have exceeded my title and you know, influence. They have exceeded. Um, but the, the one thing that I, I, there was two things that I've always been extremely passionate about, and I try to bring this to, to AAPS. One is pediatrics, you know, pediatric drug development. Uh, and if you remember a number of years ago, uh, I had a, a woman who at 16 had a heart attack, wound up losing her heart. She had to have a heart transplant. She lost a limb because of this, uh, put on immunosuppressant therapy for the heart developed cancer and uh, passed away, you know, recently, but I had her on the stage. I'll, I'll choke up again here. I had her on the stage for one of the meetings that I was chairing. Uh, and to date, uh, she was the only one, only keynote speaker that ever got a standing uh, ovation. Uh, and, and every once in a while, her name comes forward. And I realized that that's, and I wanted to be a pediatrician before I wanted to be a, a yeah. researcher. Uh, so that's a, a huge passion of mine. And, and the other one is, is global health. And, and this is the reason why I, I left, you know, pharma to, to go to a startup company. I always wanted to do startup, but I didn't have, um, I didn't embrace the fear uh, because the Gates was a, a, it was a guaranteed 10-year term uh, in terms of 10 or 15 years of funding. So I, I knew I, if a drug failed, I, I wouldn't be out, you know, looking for another job. So it's a little bit of a cheat to go into, uh, into that space. Uh, but let me tell you, the first time you walk into a, a, a TB ward or you walk into a hospital where there's, you know, 20 women lined up in beds, all giving birth around one another, people sitting in the halls, you know, this is a huge, huge passion of mine. 
is and and that's you know basically if if you look at what I ran on you know what the committee uh, evaluated, it was on on global health. Uh, my feeling, particularly in infectious disease, every disease is only a flight away. We learned that you know with COVID. Mm-hmm. So you know let's you know, really do what we what we really need to do. You know these people need our help. You know it's yeah. if they're in situations that you know generally are not of their doing. Um, and I'll tell you, some of the best science is done uh, outside the U.S. in some of these small and, and, and middle income, uh, low and middle income countries. South Africa is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. We talked about flow and PBMC prep. There's a whole network. Generally, that, that came not from TB, but from uh, the HIV um, crisis. And they built up these incredible networks. So there are these amazing areas that, you know, I, I was biased. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Now, having said that, you go into some other low and middle income countries and you have to build. And what I'd like to be able to do is, is get some of these scientists, train them up, you know, in the U.S., send them back to take the best information and then the second piece uh, is recently joining the, the governance board of, of, the, of Fight Cancer. Uh, and there too, it's all about um, individuals who get cancer and in many of these areas are kind of pushed to the side, right? They're, they're, I'm not going to say shunned, but you know, they're of no value you know, to some of these areas, right? The, the, particularly if it's, if it's the mother. Uh, who really make sure that the family is fed and, and, and works well. Um, and, you know, these individuals are left alone to fend for themselves. So the, the, one of the you know, major tenets uh, of, of the Fight Cancer Group is to eliminate the, the loneliness, the isolation that uh, comes with, uh, you know, cancer treatment or, or any terrible disease. Uh, if you look at people who have uh, uh, HIV, Nobody wanted to go pick up their meds because if someone saw you picking up your HIV meds, now that's, you know, you're kind of outed. Same thing with, you know, with TB and you know, a number of other diseases. So, you know, I'm hoping next year when I do become president, we can do some things to at least bring them in and foster those, those relationships. Wow. Ross, I, I yeah. uh, you know, I, did, I voted for you. Uh, so, <laughs> as an APS member, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I, my, uh, you know, it's a personal side, but my, my uh, role as the bioanalytical community leader, uh, you know, that's uh, I'm now the, the past past chairperson of the bioanalytical community. Let me know where I can help you, because yeah. man, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to come work for you at Takeda, as exciting <laughs> as that sounds. But uh, but but man, if I can if I can help you achieve your mission in uh, in AAPS, that's uh, that's exciting. I mean, I'll I'll be there one way or the other. So and and I yeah. tell you, interestingly, yeah. your your sentiment is is very common. So there's yeah. there's an there's a pent up desire to help people. We do it the way we're used to in the Western world. But let me tell you, you go over there and you see things. It was like my my first trip, to, you know, to India. Or a, a recent, actually, I'll, I'll tell a different story. A recent trip to India where we went to one of the um, public-private hospitals, and we were on the public side uh, in a NICU because we were looking to um, one of the missions of, of the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Medical Research Institute is to prevent death due to prematurity. I've never seen a real premature baby, like I mean, you know, sub-kilogram size babies, and they had two or three, you know, sitting in an incubator. Uh, it, it's quite 
quite as it's life changing. And I, I think if, if more people are just exposed to that, just see mm. it, you're going to see the volunteerism, you know, go up. You're yeah. going to see people who are going to really, you know, think of things that will bring the world to a better place and stop thinking about just, just, you know, my well-being. Uh, and as I said, I got a couple more drugs left in me. And that's, nice. you know, one of the reasons I'm going, you know, whether it's oncology or another therapeutic area, uh, the whole idea is to, is to make a difference, go home at night, you know, listen to, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, two times where you have to listen to old people at the table, complain <laughs> about drug costs, pharmaceutical <laughs> companies, and the fact that cancer has been cured 10 years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And, and I remember going to India about 10 years or more ago now. Uh, for APA India, and it was very eye-opening, uh, just the abject poverty that yet you witnessed just being out there and young kids, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, holding infants, walking around traffic, you know, just looking for anything that they can get. And um, how, you know, we're, we live in a bubble, you know, uh, for the we most do. part, right? We don't, we don't really think about it, and and my kids live in that as well. And what was really remarkable is when we were uh, getting some volunteer help from the university to, to run that conference, um, it was their response. Not only was this overwhelming to, to join in and be around the science and the scientists and the talks, but just the gratitude they had just to be there and to be, to be lucky enough. And I think, you know, that sometimes gets lost in our kids and in education. It's like, you know, do your homework. And it's such a, you know, it's a battle. And in other parts of the world, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's a gift to have the opportunity to have education. So uh, I think you make a really good point there. So what, Russ, what is maybe one of the most or the most surprising thing that you've encountered throughout your career? Oh, wow. That's a, that's an interview question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess su surprising is how long and how much money it takes to get a therapeutic out there. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it is, it breaks my heart when, you know, the pharmaceutical industry gets beat up sometimes for good reasons, but you know, many times not. And the, if I look at my staff and the, the hours they spend without their family, you know, we, you know, they're, they're my work family, you know, your work wife, your work husband, your work kids, nothing is more demotivating then those kind of conversations, knowing that we don't see this, you know, vast majority of the people in the pharmaceutical companies, they're there to do something good. You know, as mm -hmm. I said, I went in it, to, you know, for, for multiple sclerosis, family members have had cancer. When someone gets cancer, I usually get a phone call and then I try to, you know, move them around to, to uh, different experts that I've, you know, uh, met, but that, that cost and the time, I mean, I think the first drug I worked on, it took, 10 plus years before that drug was actually approved. Uh, it, it's shocking. Uh, you know, there, there are, you know, drugs that I'll leave a company and then I'll, I'll see like 10 years later, what's going on. It's still there. Hmm. So I, I think that's the most surprising. The other thing that's surprising is when AI came out recently, the whole world changed, absolutely changed with the launch of, of, of chat GPT. Right. I didn't know what AI was, you know, to me, AI was, was, was reading tumors or, or TB in an X-ray automatically. 
right? So in, in, in Peru, there's a, a, a van. It has a portable X-ray. They have like a, um, like a carnival atmosphere because they just want to scream. Let's get everybody screened. If they test positive, there's a doctor right there to get them on meds immediately. You don't want them to leave. You want them to get right on the meds. Um, but they don't have pathologists, you know, sitting, you know, in each one of these vans. And so what they have is someone developed, you know, an algorithm that's able to look at a lung uh, x-ray and find tuberculosis. Side project there or side thing that happened, they started to find cancer as, as well. So it seems that AI is in places that I just don't understand how it's there. But when I learn, it's like, how did I live without this? Uh, I mean, there's some, there's some, you know, downsides to it, but I'll, I'll tell you, everything sure. we do has, has an AI component now. What do you think the potential is of AI to shorten that R and D time, time gap, you know, from, from beginning to, you know, to registration and, um, Will it make it less expensive, do you think, to develop drugs? Uh, I would hope so. Uh, in, in terms of, of where it really helps, if, if we're developing, for example, algorithms, you know, ways of uh, diagnosing cancer in very, very complex ways, right? So your pathologist, you can only look at so many things on that slide, right? You're human, right? And um, individuals that read and read and read they know what to look for. Give them a, a 10 parameter model. Uh, no, it's, it's just not possible. So I, I see right. the, the ability to use very novel algorithms that are trained, you know, via a, AI technology as a way to bring, you know, some of those therapeutics definitely faster or bring them period that otherwise would, would we wouldn't use. I, I remember working on Katruda. Uh, and we had, you know, uh, you know, card carrying pathologists trying to figure out how to score these things. I can only imagine now if you had dozens and dozens of test cases, put it through the algorithm and then come out with a way to automatically read that slide. Pathologists in the audience, don't worry, you'll always have a job, right? That's <laughs> the, uh, but the ability to, to see those things um, to do spatial, you know, to do spatial transcriptomics and, and looking at a whole cell or a whole tissue, not a whole spell. They also do it for cell, but a whole tissue and the ability to read that mm -hmm. in, in an evening, you load your sample up, you come in, you know, the image, you load the image up, you come in the next morning and it's, and it's there for you. That, that would take, I don't know how long. So yes, in the, the early discovery space, especially that they can move through images quickly the ability to take, you know, multi-parametric, multi-parameter uh, models and combine flow cytometry, genomics, and then spatial transcriptomics, put all that together. No one can do that. You're relying on computers that take, can take days to crunch some of those numbers. But with AI, it's an overnight thing or it, it happens in real time. Wow. That's something we can look forward to. to it'll continue to develop. And I think it's on a on a logarithmic path of uh, in improving technology. It's, it's not linear. Uh, it's going to keep improving and, and moving at a factor that's going to be mind boggling. I think. I need to be trained at it a lot more. I'll tell you that it is yeah. every day. Something's new. It is. It's hard to keep yeah. up. Yeah. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Um, now I know over the years you've been an avid scuba diver. 
and had a lot of fun uh, doing that. And what would you say, what is your favorite dive? Where was that? Favorite dive has got to be um, Socorro. Now, Socorro is a set of basically uninhabited islands uh, south of Baja Peninsula. Okay. It takes about a day on a boat. You stay on the boat for the whole trip. Sure. And being a little chubby, I'm chubby, right? Being a little chubby, going in the water um, and exerting yourself to a level of, oh my God, my heart's going to blow out of my chest. Uh, <laughs> but you do that to see these 25 foot wide uh, manta rays that, wow. you know, they just float over you. It's amazing. They like the bubbles from your from your, from your uh, regulators to tickle their bellies. And I'll tell you, when they hit you in the head, they don't move, but they'll send you straight down. It's like a rocket. They whack you on the head. Dang. Uh, but, you know, but the, the scuba diving thing, I'll, I'll give you an, an aside, and that is uh, my whole family scuba dives, and I wanted mm. my sons to do this as well. Why? Well, it's, I think it's a, it's a great, great hobby. It's, you get to see different places of the world, but getting back to the low middle income country, they get to see how people live hmm. and that, you know, what they have is a blessing. And it's, it's, it's something that they have to work hard at to maintain and excel. And the world isn't what we see just in the U S and I'll tell you, it really hmm. changed their, their outlook. Uh, when you, when you pass by and, and you see people with, with no shoes and living in, mm -hmm. in, in shacks. Uh, so that's kind of a side project. Um, and whenever we go, uh, particularly if we're going to the Philippines or Indonesia, uh, we always uh, uh, sponsor some sort of drive to bring in you know, money to buy a washing machine, to mm -hmm. you know, buy backpacks for the kids in school. Mm -hmm. uh, so each, each dive, uh, you know, each dive trip you know, has something that, that is associated with that. And those tend to be the, the dive ops that, that we, we focus on, those that are giving back to their local communities. That's awesome. What a great way to, to marry a hobby with, uh, you know, a philanthropy and, and really do something good to the world at the same time. And you haven't lived until a giant sea lion opens his mouth in your face. And the dive master <laughs> said, when that happens, put your head down. Uh, and I honest to God thought I was going to have my head bit off. It didn't stop me from doing it a second time because it was pretty thrilling, but uh, my experience in diving is when the dive master tells you to do something, you really, you damn well better do it. Mm. And, and it may be for your safety. It may be for fun. Uh, you know, it may be just so you don't get lost. There's all sorts of different reasons the dive master tells you to do something. You can't second guess it, man. Cause nope. uh, cause there, there's always a reason and it's usually a really good one. Those guys are they're They're serious. So I'll tell you, Russ, one of these days, I don't think you've ever met my brother. Have you? Mm -mm. So, okay. So when, when I'm in Boston, we got to get together one time because uh, two things have come up now. One, one is that he, he works at Cerevel. They're developing MS drugs, right? So, oh, cool. so I was thinking about that as you were saying that, right? That's uh, a lot of what they're doing. They just, they just sold to uh, AbbVie. So we'll see where that goes, yeah. but, uh, but really move those drugs along. But, uh, but the other thing is he's an avid scuba diver. So, uh, oh. so yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. We got to all get together when I'm up there, but uh, oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So good. Do you have like a really fun or, you know, maybe the funniest memory you have in your career um, that you would like to share? Funniest memory. 
Oh, there's 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 lots of funny memories. Uh, receiving a fifty mil conical with a fly in it. That was a pre-analytic fun thing. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to decide if I should tell this story or not, Russ. You'll probably remember, but I, I yeah. interviewed not 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 to work for Russ many years ago, but to, to work in the in the group where he he interviewed me at at, at one of the companies, and I and I I remember the the advice you gave me, but I interpret it now. I interpret it differently from what you said then, but uh, but you said, hey, Chad. Uh, First of all, you're fantastic. You're like, hey, bring your wife out. We want to, you know, show you the, show you around and get, you know. So it's really, really fantastic. And and I remember you saying though, he goes, Chad, whatever they offer you, ask for more. Ask for more money. They're gonna, <laughs> they're they're gonna. And, and I was, you know, it was it was maybe it was like 15 years ago now, I think. But anyways, oh, uh, but but nonetheless, the way I interpret that now, and it really goes along with a lot of what you said throughout this discussion, is is to know your worth. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and to know that, that you have a value to the organization, you have something to contribute and the company wants you and needs you. But you also have a value to that to that organization. So so it's one thing to kind of say, yeah, make sure you hold hold out for more money, which was great advice. But uh, for, for various reasons, I didn't end up uh, it didn't end up taking the job. But uh, but yeah, just just know your worth. So that was uh, you know, that was kind of a funny, uh, funny situation that uh, that goes back a ways when when I was just getting to know you. Uh, some so, years so, ago. so so even yeah. there, you know, I so yeah. that's that's the mentoring in me, yeah. Right, if someone's yeah. going to move, uproot their lives, their family, yeah. their kids, yeah. I sure. want them to be happy. I, I don't yeah. want them to. I'd rather they don't take the job. So yeah. I tend to be uh, probably contrary to what what my companies would, would want me to be. <laughs> I, I tend to be very honest with them, to, you know, showing them, you know, yeah. what what are the, the 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 warts of the organization. So when people yeah. come. They they come educated, informed, mm-hmm. and they they appreciate that 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 level uh, of honesty. Yeah. And you know, when you talk about worth, you know, one of the things I, I probably should have mentioned as a, a a third thing for your colleague that says what to do to be successful, and that is surround yourself one with people that are better than you, and two always find a mentor, someone who you can talk to that's not in your line management that you could vent, you know, someone who can keep that confidence. Uh, and those are the people uh, that'll help you understand your worth. And they'll be honest with you if you think you're much better than your worth. And they said, no, we're going to ground you. You <laughs> Don't ask for that. It's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Well, that, no. that's why I value this woman uh, yeah. working for me so much because she's so much smarter than me, <laughs> which is which I want. I want everybody working for me to be smarter than me. That's uh, that's exactly. exactly how it should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. And and I think, you know, from a retention standpoint, you save so much more money by not having to go and re-recruit and uproot yeah. and, yeah. you know, do all that. So uh, that's, that's the way to do it. And people, yeah. it just builds trust yeah. and they feel like, oh, this is a trusting organization, someplace I want to be. Yep. I agree. For sure. I tell Absolutely. people control, you know, they control your own destiny, right? Mm-hmm. You control your own destiny yep. or you can hope somebody will do it for you and then you'll be sad. That's, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you'll be you, sad yeah. right? and yeah. you will be. Yeah. And yeah. most people believe that uh, your boss, your supervisor is con- in charge of your career. Well, they're in charge mm-hmm. of you being employed, but they're not yeah. in charge of your career. You're yeah. in charge of your career. Yeah. You need to think about what you want to do, what risks you want to take. And then it's your supervisor's responsibility to figure out how to get there. Yeah. So it's just like Google Maps. 
You tell it where to go, where you want to go, and your supervisor is Google Maps. This is how we're going to get there. And in typical Google Maps, there's three or four different ways to get to the same place. So you may like one a little bit better than the other. And the key is really to have that supervisor who's flexible enough to provide you the opportunity to take road B instead of road yeah. A. Yeah. Um, so again, it's, uh, it's your responsibility uh, to take care of that. And, and I, honestly, I, I, I speak all over to, to, to um, uh, university students, typically graduate students, and that is a shock to them. They, they really, mm-hmm. it's not taught in school that you have to drive your career. Right. Uh, and so as I go and teach soft skills uh, to the different universities, uh, it, it never, never fails. doesn't matter what school I go to, how, how uh, prestigious, uh, how small, how large. It's at least three quarters of the audience are shocked by the statement. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Listen, to, listen to this guy, though, Greg. He's, he's one of the leading scientists at one of the world's leading pharma companies. He says, mm. I go teach soft skills <laughs> to, to universities. That, that's yeah. that's that's so cool good it yeah that's cool. awesome yeah and it's love so needed the, lo- love well. the yeah. curiosity yeah yeah because yeah. these are the people i will work for at some point yeah <laughs> yeah that's oh, so good i think some of the some of the best advice i also heard is along that vein instead of asking for a raise say hey i want to get this um don't make it binary you know say i've been with the company this long i've been with some ups and downs yeah. i'm really committed to being here um this is where i want to be from a salary perspective how can you help me or how can I get to that point? And then it's not binary. It's a journey and yeah. they may see the value right away and make that, make that change, or they will help you get there instead of saying, Hey, I deserve this. Uh, give this to me. And then that leaves you in a bad position. Yeah. And, and if I out. was going to give one piece of advice there, career development is not promotions. Promotions come with your career development right? Experiences, ways of doing things, learning something new. And if you do them and excel and become more valuable to the company, you will be promoted. Uh, But most people, again, this is another one. I want to talk about career development. Okay. When am I going to be promoted next? Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, uh, that's a different conversation. Career development and promotion are completely different conversations. uh, At least the way that, that I handle it with my staff. Yeah. Yeah, put put yourself get the skills and put yourself in a position that, that that promotion will come when it's available, and then it's not even a conversation. I mean, it's it's take charge of your own career and and uh, yeah, gain, gain all the experiences you can, and and uh, yeah, it's all fantastic advice. Yeah, thanks thanks so much, Russ. Yeah. So good. It's gonna yeah. help a lot of people. Well, gosh, th- is there anything else that uh, that you want to share or Chad that you'd like to chat about? Man, I. Th- do we have well, three more hours? Yeah, right. I mean, we could. I mean, let's, let's, let's break out some wine and let's go for it. I think right? it's the next, you know, we, we talk about this being a conversation at the bar. I can't wait till the next day. Next time yeah. I'm able to sit down and buy you beer, Russ. Uh, really yeah. looking forward looking to that. Forward. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you Good so deal. much for taking some time out of your day to be with us. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. It's an honor to have you um, on our podcast as a first guest and really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, guys. Uh, and anybody has any questions, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to answer. Excellent. Excellent. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Russ. Great. You got it, guys.